Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Warden's Watch Podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line Podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content, both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. On this episode of the Thin Green Line, we are with the hometown hero, Outdoors. And I got that right, Kristen, and I? You got it. Great. And this is a national, or is it international? Have we, have we broken to Canada at all, Chris, yet? No, we've done trips to Canada, but we don't have a team up there. Okay. So, hometown heroes, and this is, you know, going through your stuff and, and experiencing uh, your, your North uh, New England president, uh, David Gray, who's on with us today, and uh, Jim Juno, who is my former major, who is actually participating in the hometown heroes group. And, uh, of course, we have our co-host, uh, my, my, my partner in crime, John Norris, with us on today's uh, Thin Green Line. And we're talking to the hometown heroes, uh, the guys that do it in New England, but they do it all over the country, trips to Canada. And Chris, can you just kind of frame what what it's all about, how it started? And uh, uh, yeah, so you can give our listeners a, a good feeling of what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, hometown Hero Outdoors, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. We started in Minnesota in 2017. Since then, we've expanded in 23 states. Actually, our 24th state will be happening here soon and up in Oregon and we've expanded throughout. And um, what we do is we take outdoor recreational trips for people who have served in the military. They are uh, currently serving service members, veterans and law enforcement officers, and they have to have served in an honorable way and or retired officers as well. And essentially what it is is outdoor recreational therapy that gets like-minded people in the outdoors to ensure that they're able to communicate with each other and establish some camaraderie, maybe something that they lost, maybe a piece of them that might be missing since they've left the service, um, or even just reconnecting with new individuals out there. 
We found that a lot of individuals find the outdoors therapeutic based on the fact that they can go outdoors and unwind. Um, there certainly is an aspect to mental health and the professionals that are out there do a good job assisting with that. But we found that not everyone wants to sit on the couch and just talk to someone. So nice. being in the outdoors is something that helps. I mean, that mental, um, the, the therapy side of things with mental health professionals certainly has its place, but we feel that getting people in the outdoors, be able to communicate with each other is a good place to start. And then, then we can help them guide them with mental health issues to a more professional direction with licensed therapists and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, we're, like I said, we're just about ready to break into 24 States and, uh, David Gray came to us. What was it now, David? A little over a year ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, offered to begin to team up in the new England area, New Hampshire. And, uh, it was New Hampshire first and then brought the idea of expanding into several other States up there. And, Worked out really great. David's a phenomenal addition to our team and his team that he's grabbed up there at gym. And it's just, it's kind of nice to have individuals in the same background and profession that understand what we do as conservation officers, game wardens, and being able to share that passion with other people out in the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. And was this your idea? Is it- uh, so there was a group of us that were with a different organization. Um, it was only military in that organization. And Essentially, how it went down, and we we ended up leaving that organization because we got a peek behind the curtains. Um, the transparency wasn't as great, and once we got to take a peek behind the curtains, we decided that it wasn't for us, so we needed to step away. Um, similar organization that David was familiar with as well, and we decided that we were going to start our own organization, but we're going to turn it into law enforcement as well. A lot of similarities between you know the military life when it comes to being. Um, deployed or to traumatic situations to a lot of law enforcement too. Um, law enforcement get exposed to a lot of crazy stuff and have to you know, take with their hat off and go out with their family and be a different person with drop of a hat, you know, same with the military. And we figured that, you know, with the outdoor stuff that we could do it in a different way, make it more transparent and add some things that we wanted to change from the last organization that we were with. Hmm. Good, good for you to, to acknowledge that and, and, and change it. And thank you for including us because, you know, in another life, maybe I would have gone the military route. I know John, you know, his heart's in that same type of thing. But, you know, we didn't. But sometimes I, I feel askewed because I didn't. And maybe I should have took, you know, a few years and gone the military route, uh, especially being shot in the line of duty. I, I'll tell you, you know, guys get a purple heart and they get, they get it on their plate. And, you know, a guy gets shot in the line of duty for a police officer and, you know, uh, he's just happy he didn't get his name on the wall, um, right. so to speak. But, you know, and I, it's just nice to encompass that because I feel a lot of camaraderie with, with my military friends for sure. And I think vice versa. So to combine those two groups, I, I really think it's it's an excellent step in the right direction. Don't you, John? I mean, it's, that just gives me yeah, a good feeling. I was going to second that, Wayne and Chris. First of all, um, thanks all you guys for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great program, and I got briefed on it from Wayne. And, you know, and, and like you said, Chris, and, and this really goes out to all, all three of you guys, um, we don't see an organization doing what you're doing on both the law enforcement and military side. You know, it's usually either or, um, but the PTSD issues certainly affect mm-hmm. both sides. You know, and having been in, involved in six OISs myself or officer involved shootings for uh, our listeners that don't know what that acronym means and having a partner shot and almost killed um, 
on a mission that I was on back in 05, there was a lot of aftermath from that, you know, and uh, the therapeutic mental health kind of come back and process all that through admin administrative leave after the shooting. And then six, seven, eight, nine months to a year watching my partner struggle to come back to work from, uh, from that near fatal shootout. Um, the woods were our church, you know, it's my mantra. And the therapy was getting to go on hunts and getting time off and kind of processing it, you know, in the mountains versus, as you said, Chris, so, so poignantly sitting in a chair and talking to a therapist, which don't get me wrong. It was helpful, but it was very short lived in those therapeutic sessions when nature and the camaraderie of people that have lived through and shared similar experiences from a PTSD standpoint, I mean, that was just a godsend, um, not only for me and the rest of the teammates that were involved in that in that shooting, the first one, but especially our young warden that was almost shot and killed in the line of duty in that incident. So i um, super excited about what you guys are doing. And I guess my first question is, it goes out to all, all of you, is how does someone find you and what's the process? Um, how do they connect? How do you screen them if there is any screening? How do you set them up on an event? How is it? Uh, is there a cost? to the officer, the military veteran, let's say, that to go on this, um, you know, adventure, this, this therapeutic adventure, and, and how many are usually involved? Do you do a one-on-one or do you bring a group? Um, I know that's a lot, but I'm just, we're just fascinated by the process and, and how a, a typical event goes. Yeah, well, so originally when we started off, most of our stuff was just social media. So we do have a closed group um, for a community where we do screening for individuals who fit within our criteria. I said that currently serving military, a veteran or law enforcement, either former or still serving. And uh, through the screening on the Facebook page, there are certain criteria and questions that we ask in order for you to get in there. So it is a closed community. Uh, We do have a regular Facebook page that people can monitor and they can see what kind of events that we're putting out there and the trips that do happen. But then there's also a second group that we had. We got to the point where our first closed group community was getting really, really busy. We have over 10,000 people in there. And the yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> That's significant. Wow. So things things get lost in the mix in there when it comes to doing trips or events. So we ended up starting a second page. It's a closed group. It's actually our hometown here outdoors trips page. Generally, if you're in the community page and you go into the trips page, it'll automatically put you in there. So um, one of the things that we decided on recently, uh, when the whole outage happened with Facebook and Instagram, what was that like four months ago, five, six yeah. months ago? Yeah, the big crash. Yeah, we just started having this conversation actually just before that. You know, what if social media goes away? What if um, there's something that happens because of what we do in the outdoors or being law enforcement, military, and social media decides they don't like what we're doing and they want to get rid of our platform? We decided that we were going to enhance our website. So our website uh, ultimately will take over all of the the forum-based platforms that we have on social media in time. It's not quite there when it comes to the forum-based stuff. Our website's actually about four websites in one. It's pretty complicated. You learn a lot uh, <laughs> with websites, and I have never yes, known anything about do. websites, so it's been quite the eye-opener. Yeah. Second that. <laughs> yeah, right? So our website right now does have a verification process, so if you fit within that category of who we serve, you can actually go on there, upload your information, and we'll verify on the back end. All the information stays on our website. It's incredibly secure. That was the number one concern of mine was how can how secure is this website going to be because it's going to be yeah. holding a lot of people's personal information and whatnot. So there's only two of us that actually get to see people's credentials. Either that's a DD-214 from separation of the military, a law enforcement ID, or any other type of um, 
item that might be required for us to join that, but we go through and we vet everyone. So it's, and at that time in time, the trips will 100% be on the website. So people can go on the website right now. It's called www.hometownherooutdoors.org. You go on there, you can say, find an adventure and you can look at the whole map or the list of different things that are going on across the country in those 23 States. And then you can navigate to different events that might be happening. Um, just because if you don't fit in the criteria of who we serve, doesn't mean you can't get involved. So there's a contact us piece. And there's also different events that maybe someone that you support or your family is going to be at an event. They can You can go there and help them out and whatnot. But those are some of the ways you can um, find us. So we're all over every social media platform. But David, do you want to talk about trips? I know you're kind of... Yeah, I'd like to know how you got involved, David, too. And I'd like to say David's been always a big supporter of the Thin Green Light and Warden's Watch podcast uh, pretty much from the beginning. So thank you, yes. David, for that, for thank sure. You, David. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate um, you. So I'm a Marine Corps veteran myself um, with a active duty son that's actually over in um, um, Ramstein, Germany right now. And a couple of reasons how I got into involved into Hometown Hero Outdoors, like Chris said, I was actually with another nonprofit that I actually started from scratch in New England. Um, again, saw behind the curtains, didn't like really where it was headed. Um, and through another um, staff member out of South Carolina, heard about Hometown Hero Outdoors, reached out to them, did a lot of research to make sure it was the right fit for the area. Um I got into the nonprofit sector when it comes to this, because again, myself being the fact I'm a, vet, I'm a veteran, I've seen some things that I, I, you know, that were kind of painful when, when I was in, um, suffered from some PTSD, did the whole therapy thing that has its place. Like we've all said, <laughs> but you know, growing up in New Hampshire, living here all my life and being in the outdoors since I was, you know, as, as soon as I could walk, that's the best therapy of all. And lacking the support of other brothers that I lost when I got out. That's what kind of turned me into getting into the nonprofit sector because I knew that there was a need in New England. Um, I didn't know quite what it was at the time period until I navigated through the, the first nonprofit to now end up, end up here with hometown here outdoors. But there's a, there's definitely a need for the organization to get out there, to sit with people to share stories, to lend an ear, um, no judgment whatsoever, just to be a, a, you know, a comrade in arms that you, that you missed when you were in, um, you know, you might not have ever known that person's first name, last name, whatever the case might be when you were serving, but you know, no matter what, you know, you'd lay down your life, whether it was a military or in law enforcement for that individual, no questions asked. That's what I, that's what I strive for here. And that's what I strive for in New England. We're, we, we're, we're not therapists, but we are here to provide the best experience to make sure you have a smile on your face and whatever you have going on in your life at that point in time. If you can just put it on pause and then just enjoy the hours or whether it's a week long bear hunt that we put on to just to step away from everything and just enjoy life and be with the people that you're, that you um, were, were with, whether you retired from them for 20 years or you maybe just served for four years in the military. Um, but to bring that bonding back and, and to have that enjoyment. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Jim, Jim, how, I mean, you and David were friends before and, and then you retired 
and you had plenty of time, right? Because we all do after that. <laughs> well, and, and just to give a little background, you and I worked together for about 21 years. Yes. Wow. And then, uh, then you had the gall to retire about a year before me. And then uh, <laughs> I retired in 2019. So to your point, Wayne, um, I did. I found myself with some new, new spare time, if you will. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Dave's wife worked for Fishing Game. Nice. And um, I was aware that he was involved with this nonprofit that was serving. And I think it was, she was probably referencing the previous organization at the time, but it was veterans, you know, a veteran uh, program. And then, uh, you know, as luck would have it, I think the way this happens oftentimes is I think Dave had a Facebook fundraiser that I uh, donated to. And so I, <laughs> I kind of got on Dave's shortlist. He reached out to me and said, you know, and he knew, and he, he kind of knew me through his wife, but. Dave and I had also met 20 years prior um, when I was a young warden and he happened to live in one of my patrol towns back in, and Dave remembers the story better than I do because, you know, as a warden, I don't, we don't remember the hundreds, thousands of people, right, we right. but, but people almost always remember when they have a warden contact. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so Dave and I, Dave and I had met years and years ago and I knew his father, but um, he reached out and said, Hey, you have any interest in being a field staff member? And, um, you know, the, and, and, and like was alluded to earlier, if I have, I don't have many regrets in life, but one that I do have is that I didn't do any military service. And, uh, you know, an organization serving the military alone would have been enough for me. But when I found out that Hometown Hero Outdoors also served law enforcement, yeah, huge. It, it was it was really a no-brainer for me to want to participate and contribute, you know, however I could. So, uh it's really just been a fascinating experience for me and, and really rewarding. Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, it takes a lot for, for Jim to get excited, but after this <laughs> last season with hunting bears with guys, he was excited, uh, yeah. telling me the stories and I want you to share some of those stories, Jim, because you were fired up. You had an awesome fall bear hunting with some veterans, uh, and I think you had just as much fun as they did, and you weren't going to kill a bear. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So I don't know how I got so fortunate, but but David, you know, um, and to give to get in a little bit about the trips, and, and please, Chris or, or Dave, you can feel free to chime in. But it's it's really any number of outdoor outing opportunities mm -hmm. that the organization is trying to provide. It could be hiking, it could be camping, it could be kayaking. The emphasis seems to be a little bit on hunting and fishing because that's where the interests of the members lie, but it can really go in any number of outdoor um, areas. And uh, so anyway, after I had agreed to come on board and uh, Dave started talking about some possible trips that I could serve as a field staff member, you know, the bear hunt came up and, um, you know, and it, and it became obvious to me just in the way Dave was describing it, that this was kind of, this was kind of his baby and, and he had a certain uh, vision for how he wanted it to run, and, and he was enthusiastic about it. And uh, but it was a commitment of time. It was a commitment of time to assist with the, you know, the, the, the putting out of bait. This happens to be a baited bear hunt, um, putting up of stands, um, and then the hunt itself was going to be a six-day retreat, if you will, that was going to host four members from from anywhere in the country. And, uh, and as it turned out, the four hunters that we, we had for this particular trip um, were from, uh, and help me out if I get it wrong, Dave, but I believe from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Alabama, and North Carolina. 
but there was something like over 90 people that put in for this particular bear hunt from as far away as Hawaii, as I recall. And wow. uh, so, yeah, so it, it really drew a lot of interest. Um, and, uh, and it was really exciting. We, uh, we had a, a house that we rented out in uh, Northern New Hampshire and uh, the, the sites for the hunt were, were actually in, in the White Mountains of New Hampshire as well. And uh, so, no, it was great. I got to meet. These all happened to be four military vets. They all came from uh, varied backgrounds. Um, a couple of them, uh, and, and, and perhaps all of them, uh, admittedly, had some level of PTSD. Mm. You know, and, and not to mention, they had a long ride. They all drove. Because <laughs> um, they had to be prepared to bring a bear home if, if they were fortunate. Right. So, uh, you know, these guys showed up a little bit fried from a long ride and, and just things they had going on in their personal life. And, and, uh, you know, it was exciting for me. And I think the other Dave and the, and the other field staff member, um, over the course of a couple of days, you just saw these guys just start coming down and relaxing. Relax, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that was really exciting to see. And so, uh, um, I was, I was fortunate in that, uh, did, did you relax, second. Jim? Did I relax? Yeah, I want to check that out. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about relax, but I had a lot of fun. So yeah, okay, you were, okay. You were working, working at, at the fun, but keeping busy, I'm sure. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, but it was relaxing because um, it, it so happened, uh, just the way it worked out, pairing up, I ended up in a tree stand every night with a different hunter. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was really good because you talk about getting to know someone these stands that we put up are these double stands you're sitting literally side by side with you know with someone else for uh some of the hunts were four or five hours in duration and um and so the second night we had the, the good fortune i was with a gentleman from minnesota uh we had a we had a nice bear come in he was able to harvest that bear successfully so uh nice. it was good and then we had one of the other hunters with another field staff member hunt harvest uh, another bear a couple nights after that so uh two of the four hunters went home with bear awesome um you know as a warden i had probably checked in hundreds register you know we have in new hampshire wardens have to physically see each and every bear that's harvested to right. register it and um you know so i had seen hundreds of uh of uh harvested bears over the years this was the first time i actually participated in a hunt and so it was exciting and uh I look forward to doing it, doing it again this September. Awesome. Awesome. And I always ask him if he's, uh, you know, calmed down because he had a very stressful job and he, you know, as a major, he, he likes things perfect. And me and yeah. Jim worked in our, uh, our association and he worked his butt off uh, in our Conservation Officer Relief Association. And everything just had to be perfect. And, if you know, John knows me, but you guys don't. I'm not exactly – I shoot from the hip. And, you know, I, I – Really? I, yeah. really <laughs> yeah. the, the major knows that. <laughs> so I always balance myself with those people that don't shoot from the hip, yeah. the guys that yeah. taught their eyes and cross their T's, because it's a good balance there. So at least it keeps my head above water. It already well, has. Well, Wayne and I had a great collaboration because – He's, he's like one of the ultimate sales guys, and I was the numbers guy that always kept things in check. So We, we made an excellent team. It was a great team. collaboration, quite frankly. Yeah. So, David, he's yours now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy, too, and a spreadsheet guy, so we can yeah. oh, yeah, keep them both. Well, the, the <laughs> other thing is Jim is a great bartender, not just, not just a substandard, a great 
bartender. So if you didn't know that, I would put him to duties on that because I he impressed me on that side too. I was like, uh, whoa. So, uh, but he's got some experience in that. One of my many previous lives. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Which, which came out, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" It was just, it was perfect, and I was like, "I was just amazed to what he put together," and I was pretty yeah. dang impressed. I was like, yeah. was "So good. that's yeah. one of those other hidden talents he has, David." If you didn't know that, so <laughs> that's good to know. But Wayne, you did ask. Uh, I want to kind of elaborate on one of the questions you had about the trip wise. So they are as simple as a one-on-one trip. Um, we have a trip actually is happening tomorrow. Staff members bringing out one person, salmon fishing from the shoreline. Um, so he just has a, he has a couple of extra rods. He's going fishing. He put, we posted a trip to bring another person out. Nice. Um, it can be as elaborate as our week-long bear hunt. And I know that Chris can talk about, you know, some of the big Minnesota ice fishing that they what, get 50, 60 people out there. Wow. Um, so it's anywhere, <laughs> anything in between that, it is. And we always say that, you know, if, if, you, if you're if you're a veteran or law enforcement officer and you're a field staff member and you're going out fishing and you have an extra rod, call it a trip and bring someone out, you know, bring someone out there with you, have someone mm, with you. Nice. Um, and, and again, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be just sitting on the shoreline fishing or it, it might be something as elaborate as, you know, the bear hunt and such. And our guys that came out on the bear hunt, all they had to do was get their purchase their license and they had to pay for their um their um the butchering depending on how they want it but the rest of it all the meals were included we had local restaurants that donated steak tip dinners you name it that we had um mm, again super cool. they, wow. they had everything available to them and we try to make it the most relaxing experience absolutely possible and going off of something that jim was saying about how the decompression and that there was a couple of gentlemen that were there that you like you know i have to take medication to feel this good and they're like yeah. I haven't had to take any medication that I'm here. I'm feeling more relaxed than I've ever felt in my life. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, but a couple of them are like, can we make this into two weeks? I don't want to go home now. <laughs> um, this therapy's really it, working. Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. that, that relaxing along with when we weren't hunting, either some people, you know, grabbed the fishing rod and went fishing down, you know, the, down on the Kangamangas highway in the river there, or we actually took a tour around the state around through, you know, Franconia Notch up around the Mount Washington Hotel and such. Mm. And they 20 really minute tour. What's that? Yeah. A 20 minute tour? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was and more like a three day. hour tour. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say better <laughs> than the boat three hour tour. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and if you're in the truck with Jim, you got to hear all the stories of all these mountains as you were going along. Uh. If you're in the truck with me, I had no clue what the mountains were we were driving by. And I think that everyone wanted to switch on the way back. But it was nice just showing them also just what new england had to offer when it came to the the environment that was out there wayne wayne would have appreciated it because as we're driving up through franconia notch and going up through Bretton woods you know you can't help any any warden in the state is going to have this experience you're like i remember hiking up that mountain at two in the morning and on yeah. that summit <laughs> in a blizzard looking for a lost hiker yes. and remember taking a black hawk ride to the summit of this mountain on a search and so uh it's hard to go anywhere in the state without being reminded of, of certain missions in the past. Yeah, for sure. And even snowmobiling, you know, all the, the exactly. things you cover on a snowmobile right. and remember all those missions and things that, that went on for sure. And that's really cool that it, it can be simple. It can be complicated. Uh, that, that, that's a great idea. Cause just think, uh, geez, I need, to, I'm, I'm going to go fishing alone and you just post that and you get someone to, to come along with you. Cause it's always better with friends. 
Um, and it sounds like like-minded people uh, join this uh, group, and uh, it just sounds it's, it sounds really great. Um, so, how long has it been in existence, Chris? Uh, this October, we'll be starting our fifth year. Wow. Uh, 2017 yeah so we've gone pretty quick yes you have 23 states in five years uh you get high quality people like this uh doing trips um now these guys make our job a lot easier when it comes to finding people locally it's sometimes it's can be a bit of a struggle you know i mean obviously it's all volunteer too you know Mm. so um it's a delicate thing of you know having volunteers and trying to balance but we always tell everyone family and friends come first you know so take care of that yeah then if you have extra time Come play with us. Right. So, so you have yeah. teams just like these guys all, all across the country in 23 yeah. states. And yep. it sounds like David sets things up. Basically, he's the behind-the-scene man to get all this gathered and put together. Yeah, and- so how that works is we actually have a board-level trip coordinator. Each state has their own trip coordinator for the most part, too. You got Who's yours up there again, David? No, that's me. That is you. Okay. So, um, well, it's up to our state director. Yeah. It's up to our state directors if they need assistance or find someone who has a commitment to help them out with that. But they put together their um, request for the trip that they want to take. It goes through the state director like David, and then it gets pushed up to the board. And we do usually have like a, everything gets rubber stamped if it's up to $500 or less, you know? Um, But if it's over that, then we review it. You know, we ask different questions, you know, about, the trip in general to make sure there's legitimacy to it. You know, um, what can we do to either fundraise or reduce the cost? Um, Mm. And then also what is the cost of the member? And generally uh, the cost of the member is nothing besides maybe fuel to get there or uh, a hunting or fishing license or something associated, but it's pretty minimal. We do a lot of fundraising to help stand up these trips and whatnot. But part of that plan for the trip is to outline fundraising and goals that they have. Um, each state's responsible for tracking their own finances and stuff like that and donations they get. Some of these states and places do receive donations where they have to keep that state within it within their state, um, which we honor hundred percent. You know, we're not going to say that if you got it in New Hampshire, it's not going to help some fund something in Minnesota. It'll stay in New Hampshire, which I think we're pretty prideful of a lot of organizations um, don't share that. And 99% of our funds do go towards the mission. So I think it's, I think it's pretty impressive the job that, you know, the board does to ensure that it's a hundred or 99% all back to the mission. So, Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. I'm thinking, uh, David, when you mentioned that, you know, there's so many people that can benefit from this service in our line of work. And I mean, everybody wants how many applicants I can imagine you had for those for that bear hunt of four Jim that you were guide, you know, up and uh, taking care of those guys, but the fishing trips where you can get 50, 60 involved in a fishing event, you know, wow. and just yeah. serve as many people as possible is, is, is really, really huge. And, and then having that camaraderie where they're shit t- telling stories amongst themselves and getting, you know, some decompression, if you will, out of that. And Jim, I'm thinking about when you're in that tree stand, cause we hunt in those double side-by-side tree stands and they're very intimate when you're with somebody. Sure. It's so quiet. And I've had my best conversations with family members and a handful of friends that I hunt with up in Montana and are, you know, double bear up there. And I can just imagine how good those conversations were between you and the veterans you were working with, especially with your subject matter, quote unquote, expertise of the area and getting them to unwind and, and have a little bit of trust. And um, I, without going into the, you know, the personal details of those conversations, those must've been really cool. And can you share just 
some of the things you saw those guys, you know, kind of responding to as you were getting to know them, waiting on that bear to hopefully come in that night. Yeah, um, absolutely. It was, it was interesting. Um, we had four very distinct personalities. We had one gentleman that had, uh, uh, you know, terminal, uh, medical condition. And, um, and so, you know, and, and, and he was open talking about it and, uh, you know, and, and it made me grateful that I, you know, had a few moments uh, in yeah. time with this gentleman and get to know about him a little bit. But, uh, you know, some of these individuals, um, you know, talk about issues they might be facing in their personal lives, um, talking about work and jobs. And, uh, you know, I was just I was no one they knew previous to this. But, you know, I was there to listen. I was there also to share some of my personal background, um, being a bit older than them, you know, with a few more life experiences, I could relate to some of what they were saying, not everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, and it was just, um, and even sometimes it was just a great distraction. Maybe I was able to point out something about the natural environment, um, teach them something about their behavior. Uh, little things like that, that just, you know, it puts your mind off in a different area altogether from what your day to day might be. And so uh, hopefully they took something away from it. I know I certainly did. And, uh, but just as important as being in the tree stand, um, there was a lot of downtime even around the house. And it just so happened that the timing of our bear hunt coincided with the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Wow! So here, here we were in this house together with these gentlemen. Wow! And um, some of them were were inspired by nine eleven to actually go into military service. Mm. So it was just, it was a really interesting uh, week, and um, I I think everyone that attended really, really took something away from it. Staff member and and hunter alike. What are your thoughts, Dave? I agree, and if I remember right. I think all four of the members had served overseas in Afghanistan, Iraq at some point in time. Mm. Uh, and like I said, it just so happened. It, it falls in that time period of nine 11. We already have, I mean, I wasn't even home yet after the last day and I'd already reserved the Airbnb again for next year. It meant so much. Um, nice. and, and the, the owner's like, absolutely. Um, it was interesting being there for the 20th anniversary of nine 11 because we, no one, no one spoke about the day. And it was kind of a humble day, but it, to be there with people like that, um, I think meant a lot to these individuals. Otherwise, you might be home alone and, you know, dreading on thinking about some memories of maybe people that you lost or whatever the case might have been or different events. Um, but and Jim can testify to this because we, we, we I create a group chat when it comes to these events. So you can talk to the staff member and stuff like that. And to this day, I think it was last night or the night before, we're still chatting in that group. Those four, all of us are still in that group. So there's seven of us, or actually eight, because um, Dale from um, Rogue Media is on there. We still chat and swap stories and, you know, Merry Christmases and this and that to each other and, you know, joke around still. So that, that camaraderie didn't leave when the trip was done. The camaraderie's still there and we still send stuff back and forth. I check in on the individual who had the terminal illness and he called me the other day and out of the blue and said, well, it's my turn in to check in on you. Um, again, <laughs> that's still the camaraderie still there regardless now that we're all back to the States that we live in, you know, thousands of miles away, we're still chatting and joking around about each other and swapping stories and, you know, pictures of family and everything. 
where else do you get that? You know, mm, yeah. that group is not broken and I don't see it ever being broken. And think about that's one trip. All these groups that you end up you're, when you're a field staff member being a part of, it's all these little families now that you have that very similar to like when you were in, whether it's, you know, in law enforcement, different patrol troops or whatever, in the military, different units that you're in. Um, I served, you know, prior to the internet and yes, I'm that old. Um, it's not the short hair, it's losing of the hair up here. So I don't, I don't have that ability to connect with people that I was in because again, I, I can't reach out to them, but to be a part of this, you're a part of all these little families and you get the stories and the pictures and the joking around still. But on a serious side, if someone needs help still, they're going to still reach out and, you know, and we can, I might not be in Minnesota, but I sure know who I can pick up the phone and make some contacts if someone falls in need of something. Right. You know, where else can you have that too? The fact that you know you're a part of a family network that if someone, you know, is down and out, there's someone there to help pick you up. Again, that's that's why I do this every day. Um, and I spend, I do, I spend time just about every day working at this somehow, some way, because for me, it's my therapy. And at least I know that I know when I put my head down on my pillow at night, I can say, you know, I'm there for someone. And if that phone rings, I'm going to jump up and answer it and help someone else because we all need to be a part part of this that support each other with the things that we've gone through. Yeah. Dave, to your point, it, it it's so powerful that you're dealing with these guys after they've been through so much. And now you formed up another team. I mean, this is like another squad. You mm. said it really well when you said we have a new family now and missing that family and being so detached from that family. Um, that's half the process of not being able to heal. Right. Um, we, Jim, Wayne, I speak for myself, you know, we lost teammates that we had worked with for 25, 30 years. And then that transition to go to other teams for Wayne and I, it's being a podcast team mm-hmm. and getting the privilege of talking to guys like you and other folks, you know, but this, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the nine 11 anniversary specifically. I don't think these guys could have been in better company with more trustworthy, you know, respectable guys that could really feel comfortable with you and Jim and your other staffers, Chris, and anyone else you had there to go through that experience, even if it was unspoken and get so much out of it to build those bonds. And, I, and there was a lot of, I'm sure, decompression and, and quote unquote healing through that process. So it's, it's incredible what you guys are doing. And I'm sure hopefully going to be able to do it in more and more States outside of the 20 plus that are doing it now. And it, it is funny. The other staff member, his name is Brendan Brack and, He's the youngest staff member that I, that I have. I actually have a son older than him. Uh, and um, he's, he is um, Air National Guard with New Hampshire. So it's funny when you sit there with all the different levels of military and ages and everything else, the joking around and everything. Yeah. I bet you if somebody would have walked in, they would have never known that, you know, five days prior to that, six days prior to that, you know, of course the staff members know each other, but these other four people, didn't know each other. Nobody would have known the difference. They would have known. They would have thought that we went back 30 years, probably. Yeah. Well, in Brendan's case, probably maybe 10 years. Um, <laughs> but um, but the point is, though, you you couldn't tell you couldn't tell the difference the way that we we interacted with each other. It's mm-hmm. like we knew each other for forever, and it's still that way in the chats. You know, someone changes a job or whatever. It's just we're all there for each other, and the trip the trip doesn't end at the end of the trip. It's a journey that you keep, you continue and that connection continues on if the people want it to, but we're there. And again, I tell people that, you know, 
we're just a text message away. We're just a phone call away if you need anything. And I know I check in on people when I don't hear them for a long period of time. Hey, how's it going? Well, you're checking in on me? Sure. How are you doing? I haven't seen you on any trips. What's going on? You know, do you need anything? Um, that's what it's about. It's a big family. Wow. Yeah. And this is what you've experienced, Chris, the whole time as this is, is built, huh? From from the beginning. Yeah, it's it's rewarding to sit here and listen to this stuff. I mean, I mean, there's so much going on, but to hear David and Jim talk about uh, you know the conversations and the follow up afterwards is pretty awesome. I yeah. I hear I got my ear to the ground as much as I can, but you only can do so much when you're right. in 23 states and have a different full time job. But um, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see the faith that you know our volunteers gave in the organization overall, and and to continue giving that. Um, that volunteering for them and to follow up with these individuals is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I think John Norris hit it on the head when he, you know, we're, we're in this group and I think we all, when we retire, we miss, we miss the guys. We don't, that we really miss the guys and being now working in the college, they always pushing cohorts. So the cohort that comes in for the program and they, they want to start <laughs> binding those same thing with known for eons that the colleges are now figuring out that they want to join those. But when you separate those, it's kind of traumatic, whether it's at a graduation or retirement, getting done with the military. So I think you automatically gravitate to something else. And if there's nothing else for you, that's that's when the darkness takes over. Um, so for putting that out there, and we've said it over and over, the, the calming of the outdoors is amazing. And when Jim, when you guys started talking about the tree stand, I put myself in those tree stands and how quiet it gets that last 30 minutes before dark, the intensity, uh, because every little sound is something. Uh, and it's just the stillness of it and your, your senses are on high alert and uh, yeah, it's just the, the coolest experience. If no one's had that, you need to reach out to these guys. If you haven't had that, you need to experience that to be one with the woods because it, it's healing. It, it just is. It, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I think a lot of it too, which is a lot of fun for me is being able to see a lot of the first time situations with people when nice. you go out with them. Yeah. Yeah, You know, being able to have and watch people experience something for their first time. Um, one of our biggest supporters, who's a military veteran here, uh, Chris uh, Pamulo down at Prohibition Barbers, not too far from where I live. He's donated a lot of money to us just because he believes in our mission and he does not fish or hunt. So I'm pretty <laughs> excited. I, I get to take him out to Lake Michigan and uh, do some salmon fishing. And there it is. Nice. We'll go jump on Green Bay. Um um, after that, we'll do some walleye fishing. So, and he's never ever fished in his life. So wow. it's pretty awesome to have the support that we do. And then also be able to get these individuals out and, and have them experience that first time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What now these guys that you had on the bear hunt, was it their first times bear hunting? And did one of those guys get a bear for the first time for you guys? Cause again, that's, that's a, a cool experience. Well, one of them. Uh, the, the gentleman from Minnesota had actually been, he had a, been on previous bear hunts. And as a matter of fact, his daughter shot a bear like the week prior that ended oh, yeah. up okay. being <laughs> like 80 pounds bigger than the bear he shot when he came out to New Hampshire. But it was, you know, so he was, I think the only one, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, with any bear hunting experience. Yeah, the other three had never had never done it before. And we actually have the privilege here in New Hampshire. I mean, there's a limited number of states that can actually 
hunt bear over bait. And right. especially in the means that we can, other ones have got to be, you know, natural bait. It can't be in a barrel and everything else. So we provided a unique experience. And from the day that they were picked, I sent many, many teasing videos and pictures and <laughs> kept them going along the way of, of, of what, what to expect. Um, whether it was videos of us out there baiting, or <laughs> what, it took, what it took to. You built it. <laughs> and oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and then and then to go pull the trail cards off the cameras and everything yeah. and you get to see that you know we we walked in and you know 10 minutes before there was a bear and 10 minutes after we left that there was bears there and such um but i want to touch on something that chris talked about when it came to support um we can't function without the support of landowners too um you know new hampshire you know you have the ability to just you know find a piece of land and go out there for whether it's turkey hunting deer hunting or whatever the case might be as long as it's not posted or something that's um you can't you're prohibited to hunt on but bear baiting's different you actually have to have the, the, the permits land permission and it takes a lot of work without our landowner support that we have and their commitment to giving back to the organization we couldn't do what we we needed to do but along that, with the fundraising and such, the support from the local community is paramount in order for the organization to grow. Um, when it comes to whether it's your local Bass Pro, whether it's um, the person supplying the bait, local restaurants donating, you know, food or whatever the case might be. I mean, we had a full steak dinner and dessert and everything else that was donated for the first night that was there. To get that bond with your with the local community is important, also. And I know that I can only speak for what we do in New England. When we have people that are sponsoring these events and, and, and putting up goods and, and money or whatever, uh, I believe in 100% transparency to the point that when someone's donating stuff, I want that donor to, I invite them. Do you want to come see what that's doing? Do you want to sit mm. out on the ice, ice fishing in the shack with these people and see that, you know, you donated a shack or donated a, a fishing rod, see what that means. And people are really blown away by that. You mean, what do you mean I can go out there? I mean, they're used to giving to a nonprofit. You write a check, okay, you get a tax receipt and done deal. Um, I really push that transparency because I want them to understand that what it means. And if they hear the stories and see what it means to people, you're connecting the community. I mean, mm. we can't work without the community and the landowners that are there. Um, and that's important, too, to make sure that you have that because without that, you know, a nonprofit doesn't doesn't exist. You you can only do so much fundraising without getting all that other support that's there. We're lucky enough that over the years I've made some really good connections. Um, and each each and every year we get more and more connections that are out there. Um, but that's that, like I said, that's very important in, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. No doubt, a lot I'm of moving sad. parts. Yeah, you know, and and one of the things of being a field staff member, as far as the landowner relations is we're making sure that you know there a hunter does not go out on their own ever there's always a field staff member present so we're making sure there's no littering we're making sure the land is respected we're making we're, we're, we're teaching about tree stand safety in the process mm -hmm. um you know in the case of a bear hunt or any hunt we're making sure that the, the, all the local laws are being followed um we're making sure that ethics are being in, employed you know in the case of the bear we have certain standards for size. We, we, we uh, look to ensure that no, no sow with cubs is in the mix at all. Um, they may come in and we'll, we'll get to enjoy the pleasure of watching them for as long as they decide to maybe be in the area. But, you know, just 
guiding the hunter and what's an appropriate animal, what isn't. So uh, it, it, it's good. And it's all about keeping those in the case of the bear hunt and, and any other hunting. Landowner relations are paramount. And uh, so it's good. Did they ever get nervous about hunting with a game warden? <laughs> no, you know, in the game board, I get nervous hunting with non-game wardens, and I'm like, please don't let them. I don't yeah. want to be calling the local one and explaining this one. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah, they get nervous. It's, it's kind of yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So do I. It's a, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, and at first I didn't, you know, a couple times I didn't get it, and then I'm like, oh, that's what the problem is. They're 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 hunting with a game warden, so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I thought, it was, thought that was green a grebe. That's jeans. why I didn't shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what's a grebe? <laughs> uh oh, we, we got problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but you, you, you mentioned that, but I mean, I think it was to Jim, you know, when you went down and you brought um, th- that first bear down and um, I'm trying to remember who the CO who was ch- to check it in. Oh, uh, Sergeant Murphy checked it in right. to, uh, to understand what this wasn't just a hunter that was from New Hampshire that shot a bear. You know, this is, was a hunter that was part of the organization and the group and everything else. I mean, yeah. I think she had heard about that through being a headquarters and such a little bit. I know I might've called her one, two, 10, 20 times on different things with a nonprofit to make sure that everything was legit and everything else. Um, but the same thing when um, Lieutenant Nealon showed up to see what, what it meant for them to be a part of that and for the guys to ask questions and stuff like that, because each state's got different rules. Um, I think it kind of opened the C- the CEO the CEO's eyes about what we were doing and stuff. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we happened to catch Heidi right in the middle of a search she was conducting, and uh, but she was she just happened to be the closest game warden. Perfect. When we put the call in, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and we tried to be you know we were patient and waited for her to have a break in the action. We had to go right to where she was conducting her uh, incident command, and then. Uh, and then on the second bear, we had the good fortune of Lieutenant Jim Nealon coming right to the house the following morning to uh, to register the animal. And he was gracious with his time and and hung out, you know, a little bit with the guys and answered questions and told a couple stories. So it, it was really good. Nice. I think he had to see the view of the deck and couldn't believe we actually had a hot tub out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roughing it. Yeah. And it is different going from the other side, Jim. I mean, being a warden and then being on the other side of being a hunter, uh, it, it's just, it's a different feeling. I, I'm, I, I, I was such a game warden for so long. I was hunting people, hunters, poachers, and to turn around and start hunting the animals has been a learning process for me in retirement. Time to do it. Yeah, yeah it, it's just a whole different thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that part. But I remember going elk hunting out in Colorado. I read that stupid book six times, and then I called the local guy. I said, "Hey, where do you register your elk? Because I've been through your book six times." And he laughs. He goes, "We don't register it, elk. Just tag it. Make sure you identify the sex or whatever." And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, you know, you, you want to follow those rules to the 10th degree. And I'm like, why don't they have the registration process in here? I just never thought they didn't have a registration process. So uh, right. it, it's learning those rules from the other side um, and, and being a hunter. 
you know, after harvesting that elk and deboning it in the woods, I'm like, how many years have we made, you know, guys take out their moose entirety and we never let them debone it? I'm like, that's just foolish. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm like, from the hunter's right. aspect, I never, I never saw it from those perspectives. It's, it's yeah. very different and it's good. And I, I think, you know, maybe we should try to do that perspective more often sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I had I've had the good fortune even this past uh, February and March to be the staff member on something as simple as a snowshoe hare hunt. Um, nice. I had never been snowshoe hare hunting, and uh, this was a particular hunt where even as a staff member, I was able to participate along with the selected hunter. And uh, you know, we had a gentleman um, from uh, North Central New Hampshire. He had three beagles. And Dave had uh, connected with him and he agreed to volunteer his time and his beagles to bring us out rabbit hunting. And it was an absolute blast. Uh, no pun intended, you know, but it was, <laughs> it, I, it's something I had never done. It's something a couple of these hunters had never done. And uh, that's a very social activity, right? Rabbit hunting, bird hunting, anything of that nature. So, you know, you, uh, you can really connect with someone and, and you're putting, getting some good exercise in walking around the, the woods and we're snowshoeing. We were in some snow. So it was just a new experience. It was, it was fun for me as, as much as for the hunters that went along. Mm. Yeah. Learn, it, learning right alongside with them, huh, Jim? That's exactly right. Awesome. Missing right alongside with them. Yeah. We're all missing <laughs> together. And we're doing it together. And we're a team That's this. Right. That's and, right. And to go off of that, this guy was just a guy who has beagles. That's it. He's, he's really? not a guy. He just has beagles and likes to run his dogs. And Super he put cool. on, I think if I remember right, five trips for us. Yeah, I believe he did this year. Wow. Just because he loved to run his dogs and he loved, loved to have us go out there and hunt over his dogs. Nice. That's that's going back to that working with the community. I mean, if you know, if you're going out there, you know, these people are, are invaluable to us to be able to do that for mm. us. No, nope. really cool. Really cool. So I yeah. Chris, you, anything you want to include in the wrap-up or something we've missed? Or I'd love to hear about some of the other states uh, that, that you got going on. I mean, what's your most southern state? Uh, we just started in Florida literally wow. a month and a half ago. Um, nice. Yeah, just started there, so we're excited to get that up and running. Um, it's actually a uh, husband and wife that are going to be running that state. Uh, South Carolina um, cool. is one of the states that are pretty active. They, just, they do a lot of striper trips down there a lot of fishing um they do some deer hunting turkey hunting as well um texas is another busy state that we have we actually have a video so i know david alluded to them earlier but rogue productions they're a a media company that we hire um we call them our production crew they do a lot of videos for us and we send them around they actually did a video with the new hampshire bear hunt not long ago but uh, we got a video coming up in 10 minutes that'll air on all our social media platforms from a, a, um, a recent Texas hog hunt. Nice. So, yeah, Texas is busy. It's a big state. <laughs> and uh, they're looking for more volunteers every day. They're just so spread out just because of the sheer size of the state. Mm. Um, we just had a group of people down there for hog hunting. They do a lot of uh, sandhill crane hunting up at Cap Rock Waterfall. On the the north side, very cool. Uh, I want to say it's called Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas. Yep. Um, then they also West Texas, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, West Texas, yeah. Sean Olsberg's a team lead down there, and then uh, he does a lot of work also with Cisco D Ranch. It's an exotic out of Goldthwait, or yeah, but one of their ranches is there. But they donate quite a bit to us too. Um, 
Colorado is a pretty active state. They got a lot of stuff going on there. And actually, uh, coming up this late October, early November, we do have someone coming up to Montana to do an elk hunt. We just put the tag in last week. Nice. That was my, you read my mind, Chris, is uh, what you have going on in Montana. And certainly if I ever get a minute to breathe, I'd love to jump in and help out on this thing. And not only Montana, I'm curious about, but my old home state of California. Um, You talk about wild hogs and we have more pure Russian razor hogs running around that crazy golden state than people realize. And it's a pretty easy hunt to put together in some of these private land holdings that would, that would sponsor such a good organization. So where, where are we at on California? Just out of curiosity. Um, we did have a person out there who was interested in starting the team, but uh, that's still kind of, it's in the works. Just nothing officials happened yet, but we're always gotcha. looking for people to come and help. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about um, our president's moving. He's from Oregon. He's headed back to Oregon. He'll be there uh, mid-May and then we'll be able to, um, get a good team started up on the west coast the pacific northwest i'm pretty excited about that as well wow five years yeah. you've been in in existence and that you've got some serious growth going on it's it's, it's pretty awesome yeah so, oh. i was gonna say one thing i wanted to add when we talk about the growth and stuff like that the the trips aren't just limited to people that are like disabled veterans or someone who's maybe suffering from ptsd or anything like that it's not I think one of the struggles that people or hurdles have people getting over is they think it's a, you know, a trip of need based or something. It Mm. doesn't make a difference what rank you were, you were in, what your current job is, what your income is, you know, whether or not you're disabled, suffer from PTSD or any of those things. You could be, you know, you could be the newest person in, in the law enforcement. You could be just getting out of the military. It doesn't make a difference. We welcome everyone. We want everyone to be a part of this. It benefits everyone that's out there. Um, and the same thing when it comes to field staff, if, if you're, if you think you've got what it takes to be able to volunteer some time and stuff like that, the more field staff we have and the more people we have putting in the trips, the more trips we're going to put on um, with, with knowing that there's more people that want to go on these events. So um, again, the more just reach out if you, you know, whether it's to the, to, to the board or to the, the uh, director of the region or the state to see if they need any assistance or if there's a trip that you're looking for. I know if I have someone that comes to me and says, Hey, I'm looking for like to do something, I'm going to turn around and try to find a way to offer that event. Cause if one person wants it, someone else probably wants it too. Yeah. I'm really glad you touched on that, David, because you know, if I have post-traumatic stress syndrome, that's the last thing I do is want to share it with everybody. So, but I might gravitate to something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. because I don't have to tell you, do I? I don't have to tell you I got all these issues. I can just show up. So that, boy, that makes it easier for the person, whether whether they do or they don't. And I think, believe, we all do this job, and I think we all have a little uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. If you do this job and do it right, I don't think you get out of it clean. Um, it's just just yeah. part of it. And not to be able to say that and then go hang out with a bunch of guys and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe be able to share some of those. And when you lose that cohort, you know, you, you leave you in the military service or, you know, things like that. I think that's really important or still active. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it, it's good to have somebody there and not have to tell them, Hey, I got all these problems and this is why I want to go. Cause, uh, frankly, the guys that probably need it don't have any problems. So, right. Just, Tongue, tongue it's funny cheat. you say that. We actually had a chief of police over um, in the, the um, eastern side of the state that actually went on one of our events. He came back and told his whole um, his whole staff, if anyone ever gets per- picked for a trip, 
Um, first, he was emphasizing go on these trips and what they mean. Mm. But if anyone gets picked, you're, you're going to get a day off. Um, and people have put in for it and have been picked, and he automatically guarantees a day off to go on this because he understood firsthand what it meant. And, you know, it's one thing that if you go to the department's, you know, psychologist or whatnot, you're afraid to get blacklisted or whatnot. And he knows what these events do and, you know, what's what's said on the event. You know, it's Vegas rules. So, you know, you open up if you need to or whatever the case might be. But he told his staff, hey, get on these events and you'll get the day off. Yeah. Uh, and he fully supported it. Yeah. And it's in your name. It's Hometown Hero. That's does, doesn't say anything more than that, does it? No. Right. That's that. That's epic. I, 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 my wife's gonna be mad that I used that word epic again. She says I'm using it too much lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think it's an over exaggeration when you say this is an epic program, guys. Uh, and, uh, man, it's super cool to you know get to know you over here from the northwest and the west, and uh, yeah. I hope to see more of it out here on this side. But Chris, is there um, anything else you can tell our listeners and viewers on how to get? in contact with the organization, donate. what the process is, donate especially because yep. it, it's it's not going to a better place with, with so much of that funding going straight back to the field operations. And mm-hmm. let us know if you could. Yeah, the best way is um, any social media platform you might be on, but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you can find us on all that stuff. It all leads right back to our website, which is Hometown Hero Outdoors. It's singular for hero, outdoors is plural hometownherooutdoors.org and like I said there's an interactive map that we have on there based on the location where you're living or if you're wondering what's going on in that area but there is a donate button on there Um, the donate button uh, does fire off a donation receipt to you immediately after you um, select what you want to do anything and everything is welcome we really appreciate it Um, everything counts and it all goes to a great cause, obviously, and helps these individuals who do go on these trips. So any support you can give, we appreciate it. Even if you want to just call us, contact us, and let us know, like, hey, I'm willing to donate some time, piece of property. Um, I have uh, extra spots in my boat occasionally. Anything that you can think of that's outdoors. It doesn't have to just be fishing and hunting. We do outdoor foraging trips. We sent out a World War II vet in a hot air balloon. Not nice. too long ago. So, awesome. I mean, we if it's outdoors, we'll do it. If you got extra tickets to an outdoor football game, a Twins uh, baseball game, say Twins because that's local, um, <laughs> any other sporting event that might be outdoors, it fits the narrative. It just gets people out and changes what they're doing and gets them off the couch. Well, sounds great. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining uh, the Thin Green Line podcast and uh, sharing your stories, sharing your missions. Uh, we really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Well, we can't do it without the volunteers. So these guys up in New Hampshire are doing good stuff. And without them, thus of the board, we're nothing. So I really appreciate all our volunteers and standing things up. So thanks for having us on, too. I really appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you.